Welcome, everyone, to episode 30 of From the Sands, the Cool Pick Show. On today's episode, we are welcoming in Patrick Chan and Elizabeth Putnam, two great figure skaters in the sport, um, with Patrick going to the Olympics, Elizabeth competing in multiple different competitions. Uh, and we are excited to have them on the, on the show to talk about their experiences, uh, their, their work ethic, what goes into the sport day in, day out, um, and also how to share some words of wisdom around what it means to get into the sport. Uh, before we bring both of them onto the show, we would, of course, just like to give a shout-out to our design team, Mad Creative and Matthew DeCastro, as well as Jay Salty Photography for their work that you see for the show. Uh, so without further ado, let's get Patrick and Liz on the show and start talking some uh, skating. Patrick <laughs> and Liz, how are you guys today? Thanks, Ryan. We're good. Good. <laughs> good. I just want to say thanks for taking the time to be on the show. Uh, I'm really excited about the show because this is episode 30, but you guys are also my first duo interview I've done on the show. So that is uh, some exciting news right. as well. We're trailblazers. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, how are things out in Vancouver? Good. Yeah. Yeah. I think our, our cases have gone up a little bit over here, but um, you know, Liz and I have been healthy and we've had a lot of time at home, um, kind of reassess our lives and our careers and focus on our priorities and being with each other, being with our dogs. So it's, it's been nice to kind of recenter and uh, reassess kind of your, your life um, in the last couple of months. Yeah, definitely. That's fantastic to hear. As long as everyone is healthy and doing well, that's the most important aspect during COVID for sure. Um, so let's just hop right into it. So my first question for the both of you is, where did the love for skating come from? Um, that's actually a really um, a good question, especially um, in this duo interview, because we both have a very different, very different beginnings um, in the sport. Um, I uh, I love hearing my mom uh, tell stories of me like sleeping in my skating clothes the night before practice because I was so excited to go skating and like you know you couldn't really get me off the ice and I was jumping around the living room and I did make choreography that was like my after school um, activity was like running around the living room and choreographing and so I just got hooked like right from the beginning at four years old got on the ice just fell in love with it and never looked back and I just slept in my skating clothes and jumped around the living room and just like couldn't get enough skating and uh I think Patrick I'm a little a different beginning yeah I'm a little different I definitely was not wearing my my outfits before practice um <laughs> the night before uh I just kind of fell into skating sort of by chance I was living in Ottawa I was more of a skier when I was living there and then we moved to Toronto where my mom kind of wanted me to push me to do a non-mountain sport obviously we're not really close to mountains in Toronto so I said to hockey like every good Canadian and my mom then put me into figure skating lessons because uh, uh, a Russian hockey coach in town said that I should be put in figure skating lessons to have good skating skills before I start actually playing hockey so that's kind of where the journey started and um, one thing came after the next and I really good I kind of got scouted and picked out uh, by by some really high level coaches and was able to develop my skills and uh, and in a blink of an eye I was at nationals and you know the rest is history but 
yeah my, my i don't i i, I wasn't um I wasn't crazy about it exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. It's very different from Liz. Um, but I, you know, I watched Kurt, I watched Elvis, um, Evgeny Plashenko. Those those guys were really on TV almost every weekend. Now we're gonna talk about your national uh championships uh for you, Patrick and Liz. We're gonna talk about your singles competition and and how you got into the like the Bofrost Cup as well but Patrick my um talking about you for a second with night like with skating you started in 1996 like you said originally wanted to start hockey like every good Canadian um but then your coach that you mentioned Osborne Osborne Colson was the one that got you into different work and balance drills how much dedication did it have to go into like or that you had to put in um into figure skating when hockey was kind of like the back burner idea for you yeah, I was a, a bit of a multi-sport athlete um, up to that point. And then when I started taking from Mr. Colson, that's when things shifted. Um, my life started revolving around skating a little more. We, uh, I was adjusting my school schedule. I was doing less extracurricular activities. Um, I wasn't necessarily doing all like golf and tennis and skating and piano I, I I started having to trim the fat and uh, spend more hours on the ice um, with Mr. Colson as well it became a very uh, tailored uh, type of um, teaching uh, it was it was very one-on-one -on -one, very intense he was a very intense individual um, very strict uh, but he really brought out the best in me and really got myself and my parents to understand how skating works and the ins and outs and the culture of skating as well and uh, performance is a whole nother part it's not just about being a great athlete but a good performer now liz for you you begin your skating career in 1989 in singles competition followed by pairs training at the age of 15. Um, I know that you said because like you were really excited, you would sleep in your figure skating outfits the night before competitions. But was figure skating the sport that you always wanted to compete in from day one? Um, yeah, I would say so. Um, it's hard to it's hard to like get into my five year old brain and and think about like you know if I, if I really thought about it that way or if it was more. If I think it started more off as like just my you know it was my hobby and it was week by week kind of thing um but I, yeah i was pretty um i was i was pretty into the competing part of it and i i liked that aspect of it i was a pretty competitive kid so i liked um i liked having you know upcoming competitions and having something to sort of work for and um yeah i i, I think i kind of fell into it like in the beginning i don't know that i set out to be you know um competitive per se but i think um yeah you kind of you start pretty young doing that you start at four or five years old you're competing so kind of once that ball started rolling i was kind of got hooked <laughs> now talking about competing in championships uh you ended up winning a bronze with your skating partner sean Wirtz at the 2003 canadian championships and another bronze at the international competition at the 2003 bovors cup uh on ice for you, what was the mindset like trying to earn your spot at the next level of competition? Um, that was, you know, I think that was probably the biggest challenge for, for me was that was sort of at that point in my career was kind of trying to get to that next level. Um, and I think that was, uh, it, it gets pretty tough. Like when you get to the, when you get to that level of, of competition, it's, 
um, skaters are just like driving that standard up um, so high and it's really like splitting hairs when it's um, that level of competition. So that was that was a, um, a, a big challenge for, for me for sure at that point. Um, it was uh, discouraging and uh, difficult at times to, um, to really keep pushing and keep going. Um, but it was, it, you know, in and out, like there was you know, good results always kind of helped you stay motivated and, and stay in the game. And then, you know, you'd have tough, tougher competitions and, and not get the results that you want. And it would be really discouraging and kind of make you question, you know, what you're doing. And there's just always someone nipping at your heels or you're trying to outdo a performance that, you know, you've, you've already done, you're competing sort of against yourself. And then you've got the younger generation coming up and so it can be um quite a lot of pressure at that point um so i would say it was kind of up and down like sometimes i was really enjoying it and other times it was really tough to sort of keep keep my head in the game yeah i definitely understand the feeling of competition kind of getting to that next step uh as you guys know i play baseball and basketball with the special olympics and so uh, in 2018 we reached our second national level and it was just kind of like that next step up of we have to be better than the other team. We had already mm -hmm. been in nationals once where we placed bronze and we knew that the, how much work and dedication needed to kind of go in to improve our game and get to that next level. And uh, mm -hmm. so yeah, it can definitely be a heartache, but a thrill all at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. It can be so rewarding. Like we, you know, you put in so much work and it can be so rewarding, but um, it's, it's not always the smoothest journey to get there, but I guess that's the beauty in it. Right. It's, exactly. it's, um, yeah yeah now with patrick uh throughout your career you ended up winning 12 national championships three world championships as well as a number of other accomplishments what was the feeling like for you to place first in so many different competitions and kind of start making a name for yourself so early in your career and kind of throughout your career uh, thrilling <laughs> it's it's a thrilling feeling it's um i've always felt very um uh, I found myself very fortunate to have had kind of all the stars align and um, there's just people so many of my friends and other skaters that I trained with you know had the same work ethic and the same almost talent <laughs> and 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 they, they didn't get the same result because of you know one little thing just that one day you just didn't have the the right performance or you didn't feel right or something you there's a season where you're injured you're or you're battling equipment issues. Um, so I, I was very, very fortunate to have had um, such an illustrious career. Um, but with that came, I, I'm not immune to some of the challenges of being um, at the top level. And, and like Liz was talking about, it's once you've, once you've made it to that high elite level, um, you know, national and international world's Olympics, the margin for improvement is very small from year to year. Your improvements are, you have to really appreciate every ounce of uh, improvement you have from week to week or year to or season to season. Um, so it's, it's, you're always, you're constantly battling your own mind and your own, um, I guess, negative negativity. Cause you become almost like a, it, it promotes, uh, perfectionism and and you you want to be perfect and you have such a high standard once you've met those once you've won gold um, you, you want every performance to be a gold medal performance but you have to come to reality and realize that it, it, there's 
it's going to be a lot more mistakes before you have those ups, those really highs and those thrilling moments um, at competitions and, and standing at the top of po the podium. You can't be there unless you've paid your dues in a way um, and, and gone through the hardships of disappointment and getting through it. And it's definitely a unique situation in the, in the sport now because you see how many cameras, how many replays, how yeah. much footage there is that you can review on a day in, day out. You could probably be up for hours after a competition trying to perfect what you did wrong ahead of like the next day competition, things like mm -hmm. that. And it's mm -hmm. all about that mentality and keeping a, a proper mindset while trying to fix those corrections. Now, yeah. My next question for both of you is because you kind of both touched on it. What were one like? What would you say would be one big challenge that you guys had to kind of face and overcome uh, throughout your careers? Definitely my own my own mind my own um, my own mental toughness was something that uh, um, sort of plagued me throughout my career and. Uh, I could just be like my own best friend and my own worst enemy all at the same time. And uh, I wish I had um, invested a little bit more in um, sort of my mental training, my mental health, you know, like uh, that wasn't as uh, practiced, I think, back in my day. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something that if I could, uh, if I could go back in time, um, I would have just, uh, yeah, like, invested more um time and energy and and you know tapped into some more resources to um learn how to cope with pressure and stress and nerves and all of that stuff um because it was something that i just kind of tried to like handle on my own and deal with on my own or like with my coaches but not with professionals that could have really given me um some strategies and tools to um to deal with pressure and stress and just like the everyday training and um, trying to kind of keep a positive mindset. Um, so yeah, I think that was probably, I would say, my biggest challenge um, throughout throughout the years. That would have that was it was very up and down. Just trying to you know stay positive and and not uh, do all the what ifs in my head. There was a lot of that. So um, what if I fall? What if I do this? What if I don't make it? What if I don't make the team? Whatever. And um, that can be so detrimental to your training because you can train um, physically so hard and, and be so ready. But if this, uh, if the mind gets in the way and, uh, you know, it can really um, kind of undo all the hard work that you've done. So, um, yeah, that would be something that I would say was my biggest challenge. What about for you, Patrick? Liz touched on it. For me, it's the same thing. I, I would say if I had a chance to have uh, you know, a sports psychologist earlier in my career, I think it would have only been beneficial. Um, I, I use the terms like performing stupid or being a, a stupid athlete sometimes is, is an advantage because um, you, you, you completely let go of the, what the mind is sometimes overthinking, overanalyzing. Um, we call it an analysis or paralysis through analysis. And that's really what happens in skating because everything happens so quickly. And so having kind of skating stupid and, and, and not worrying about um, the, the details, the, the, just or letting, the or the outcome, yeah. especially just letting them, what do you call it? Muscle memory take over is, is, um, is important. So having a good mental base is really important. Um, 
I would say also coaching is a huge part. Uh, I have had my own challenges with uh, my coaches, uh, switching to coaches and uh, having good experiences and not so good experiences. Um, maybe having stayed with one coach a bit longer than I should have, um, or I should have made a switch. Sometimes I go through those um, scenarios in my mind now, looking back on my career. I think um, I, I think I wish I had a little more ownership of, of my choices um, in terms of coaching choices and really looking at um, the, the pros and cons of, of a coach and maybe sticking with a, a certain coach maybe longer and or speaking up and having a bit more of a an opinion um, as opposed to my parents kind of choosing for me sometimes <laughs> um, I know there's a lot of athletes out there whose parents are really involved and that's great I, I it's great to have supportive parents but um, I think I if I had a little more ownership and spoke up a bit more of like you know what I I kind of like this about this coach and I like this about this other coach so let's decide upon that for sure. And uh, talking about muscle memory, that is the biggest component of sport. I just uh, I just played a round of golf yesterday and I hit my worst round ever because I had too much muscle, muscle memory around trying to analyze what I was doing. So I yeah. definitely, definitely understand that. <laughs> um, now, Liz, like Patrick said with uh, Coach Olson, um, a lot of individuals, especially in sport, do have mentors in their careers that help lead them to success or, or kind of get them to the next step. Um, like Colson was for Patrick, who was a mentor for you in your life? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I had, yeah, I had sort of um, a similar experience in my skating career with um, the kind of moving and shifting and changing of people throughout my career. Um, because it was, uh, I, I obviously was living in Vancouver um, and learned learned skating in Vancouver and had a coach here and then desperately wanted to do pairs, which required me to move across the country to Ontario. And so I had coaches there and I had pair coaches and single coaches. So I had a lot of different um, figures uh, in and like throughout my career. So um, I, I feel like it, it was kind of um, every experience really taught me something. And some of those were you know, some of those were positive experiences and some of them were negative. And I think out of the negative ones, I almost learned more of, um, you know, what, what not to do or what didn't work for me. Um, and I mean, I think I had a, I had a, a one of my, my first pair coaches, um, who was also happened to me, my skating partner's uncle, Paul Worth. Um, he, he was a sort of a controversial coach. Um, in, in the skating community um, with how sort of strict he was with some of his skaters and some of his tactics um, when it came to coaching and training and um, preparing skaters for competition and whatnot. But um, I would say he had a huge impact um, on my skating career. Maybe not so much from a, from a, you know, I wouldn't say he was like an inspiring, um, necessarily an inspiring coach or, um, you know, but he, he, he pushed me out of a comfort level, um, that I don't know anyone else could have. Um, I had sort of at that, when I came to him and at the age that I was at and the sort of stage that I was at, I was quite, um, I was like settled, I settled for where I was at. I was kind of okay with, um, with what I had accomplished. And I wasn't really in that mindset of like really pushing myself at that point. Um, and he really um, sort of took me under his wing and uh, showed me what I was capable of doing 
Um, and I don't think that I would have um, probably even skated past like 18 um, had it not been for him. And um, I, you know, I, I went from like landing one triple jump at 17 years old. And then I came to him and um, I could land all the triples within a few weeks of just training under him. And it, so it really showed me, um, although his, um, his approach was sometimes terrifying, um, it also really pushed me um, to achieve things that I, I, you know, I, I didn't know I could do. So that's incredible. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Patrick. Go ahead. No, it's a bit of a controversial topic because uh, we've had this discussion where we, we talk about the different coaches in our careers and methods and the different methods yeah. and and what is what is right and what is wrong and sometimes the wrong method gets the best results out of the skater, but at what price? Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of um, yeah, it's, I think it's a very important topic to talk about is, is uh, how you adjust your coaching method according to what to the skater and their personality. Mm -hmm. um, because I think there's a way to bring out the best in every skater or every athlete um, in a positive manner and not always in a, um, what's the right word? Well, I mean, some coaches I think um, use kind of a fear tactic. Yeah. Um, and that is sometimes, I guess, Paul's approach um, and Mr. Colson's approach a yeah, little bit he was too. Really, really strict yeah. and, and tough on you, yeah. even as a really young kid. So um, it's interesting, though, how you know throughout our careers we've had so many different coaches, and sometimes those ones that were like the toughest on us are the ones that um, had the most impact. And yeah. you know, like so, there's something something there to <laughs> yeah. to uh, unpack or to um, you know investigate a little bit more of just. Yeah, I think what like Patrick was saying is finding a balance between um, someone that really pushes you and beyond what you think you can do. I think that's important, um, but also maintaining, you know, like a good, healthy, positive atmosphere. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's interesting that both of the two most sort of influential coaches in our, our dating lives were both probably the toughest on us. Really tough, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is you, as much as you want to have someone there to push you to success and, and yourself, you want to succeed and you want to get to that top level, you want to make sure that it's at the mindset and the level you want to get to when you want to get there in the sense that you don't want to have someone jumping down your throat if you turn left and you were supposed to turn right, for example, and you're he, they're there to support you and be like, okay, you did this okay, but like, let's do A, B, and C instead and try and get mm -hmm. you to that level. So it's very, um, it's very important, especially in today's world where you see so many different coaches with so many different coaching tactics and, and plans, whether what, no matter what sport it is, it's very important to make sure you have that balance in whoever you're kind of listening to as your coach. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Now, Liz, talking about your uh, near the later part of your career, you did a couple really cool things, which I think would be a lot of fun if I was able to skate. One thing I can't skate worth crap. Me skating would be if. Have you guys seen the movie Goon? No, uh, I have. <laughs> okay, so I would be Sean William Scott on skates right as soon as he walks out on the ice, yeah. like people all, all over. I think it takes me like. I don't know, five minutes to get around a lap of a rink. And it's ridiculous. So anyways, <laughs> I can skate, these are some of the things I would really like to do. You, you got to skate on, uh, on a cruise ship um, just uh, north or just near, um, forget where you, sorry, where it was. But then you also, the bigger one that I, I was really cool or 
that was a really cool aspect I thought was you got to appear in a video uh, skating on Wijion Lake, if I'm saying that right, located in Metro Vancouver. Not only was this the, uh, like a lake, but it was at an altitude of 2,500 feet. What was that experience like from skating on the ground to like up high? Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I had actually just um, returned home from um, another really cool opportunity and really cool experience where I was part of a production that performed um, in uh, Oman. So I had just returned home from the Middle East and I had a, a I got a, a, a message, I can't remember, um, from, from the pilot, um, Bradley Friesen, and he had called and asked me if I could do this video with him and basically said, I'm going to kind of drop you out of an, a helicopter and, um, you know, let you skate on this rink and I'd like to take some footage of it. And, and I thought like, am I just really jet lagged? Did I hear that correctly? <laughs> like, I just thought it was some kind of prank or like, it just didn't even sound like real to me. Um, and of course there was like a bit of a safety aspect and whatnot, but then I met Brad and he actually just took me up for a flight where we just, I, we just flew. We, I didn't, I didn't skate the first time. I, he just kind of showed me, showed me the, uh, the potential of kind of what he wanted to do and, and talk me through it. And, um, and as soon as I met Brad, I felt instantly comfortable and safe and, um, I got really excited about doing it. Um, and it was kind of just waiting for the right day. Cause of course it's mother nature and, um, we, we had to wait for just like the perfect condition. So he was kind of like, okay, just stand by and just be ready. And it could be, you know, any day like this week, just depending on the, on the weather and whatnot. So, um, I think it was just right around uh, the new year. And he uh, texted me one night and he said, Kate, we're going in the morning. And uh, off we went in the morning. And uh, it was incredible. It was really, I, I've had some really um, amazing opportunities to skate in different parts and different areas of the world and in Central Park and on a cruise ship. And I've, I've been very uh, fortunate to have been able to skate in so many different places. But this experience was so different. Um, one i was like kind of at home like i was i not far from home so um and and secondly it was um the idea of being on ice and being out in nature in an area that it was there was nobody around because because we got there via helicopter it was um completely secluded and um it was so quiet other than the helicopter <laughs> um it was so insanely quiet and um, just that feeling of, uh, freedom and being able to skate for miles and miles and, um, and just like looking up and seeing the mountains and, um, skating in, in that capacity, it felt so different than anything else because normally you're, you know, in a, in a rink and you're surrounded by other people and there's a competitive atmosphere and there's, you know, parents and people watching you and, and it's easy to lose sight of the the true um joy of skating and uh it really kind of returned returned me to that and i sort of felt like that inner kid that slept in her skating clothes um i really felt that just love of skating and just being out on the ice in like jeans and a jacket and and not that you know more like the the stiffer part of figure skating you know we have to wear a certain thing and we have to act a certain way and we have to move a certain way and this was just so freeing and so liberating and uh yeah i i felt even um 
emotional. Like I, I, even as we were leaving, I felt really emotional that I was, I felt so lucky to have had that experience and I didn't really want it to end. And um, it was I, something that I, if anybody loves, you know, loves figure skating, it's something that I would, I would hope everyone can experience yeah. it at some point. Now, how was the temperature at that altitude though? It was freezing. <laughs> it was very cold. Um, that was probably the biggest challenge of the day, I would say, was trying to stay warm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I didn't really feel it too much like while I was skating, while I was moving, because I was just enjoying myself so much. But when I stopped, I, was, I realized how cold my hands were. And yeah, I was kind of layered up too. I had some layers underneath my jeans, some layers underneath my shirt, but um, it was chilly. It was very chilly. <laughs> Now, Patrick, let's go back to you. So you're, um, you've reached the Olympics a couple times in your career, um, most recently in 2018, where you took home a gold medal. What was it like for you to compete at the Olympic level and kind of just showcase your Canadian talent at the Olympics? Oh my gosh, it's the, the biggest honor and, and what you strive, you dream for when, when you're, when you start getting involved in sports, that's the Mecca of, of amateur sports. So, um, it's like, I would say, cause we're hockey fans, I would say it's the equivalent of going to the Stanley cup finals and, um, having done it three times in 2010, 2014 and 2018, and to cap it off in 2018 with the team gold was, um, was, I kind of asked for a, a more perfect ending. And, I, I had my own struggles though, leading into 2018, and each Olympics was so different. Um, I, I, looking back at it now, I, I think I wish I was a little more appreciative of how lucky I am, I was to, to have qualified to go um, and to have done it three times. Um, and then on top of that, coming home with some medals is, is not a bad, um, a bad thing either. Uh, but it came with its own challenges, and you know, again, going back to the the whole mental aspect of being an athlete you're once you've had a taste of the olympics you just want to go back and come back with the medal and when you don't it's the, the lows are pretty low and um i i don't think i was necessarily prepared for um at, at least early on you know in 2010 2014 2014 was probably the most disappointing um going in as like a defending world champion and kind of of the gold medal being almost on a silver platter and uh and then i, I kind of missed i just made one too many mistakes and let the gold medal slip away and that's a medal that we still have never won in canada as this uh, men's singles has never won gold in, in at the olympics so um I, I do regret not not having followed through but uh, the past is the past and i looked ahead to 2018 and um and really focused on on this wonderful opportunity I had with Team Canada with Tessa and Scott, Eric and Megan, Caitlin Osman, and uh, it was just such a great, we had such a good team bond that it really was uh, the most fun I had at those Olympics. Um, and then standing on the podium with all your, your friends that you've grown up with through the junior ranks um, and kind of to finish it off with that is, it's really perfect. <laughs> That's incredible. Now I have to ask because I, I feel like every like every Olympic athlete that, that has a medal gets asked this question in, in one way or another. How far away is your gold medal from you right now and where do you store it? <laughs> uh, well, I store, I have, I have, I think, one, one of my silver medals from Sochi is in Toronto with my parents. 
and then uh, the rest of them, like, I think, are right so here. Like our entryway <laughs> yeah. punch thing, and I think it's in a box in a bag. In a Lululemon bag. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing special. It's like buried inside there, like. <laughs> yeah, next to the dog toys, the chewy toys. <laughs> hey, as long as the dog doesn't go for the Lululemon bag, you're good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's always interesting because you always hear different. There was uh, one interview I had watched. Um, forget who it was, but they the athlete was saying how she kept her gold medal in like one of her long socks in her drawer, and so you never know where people store their medals. Uh, it protects it. A thin, nice thick sock would protect the medal. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> now, kind of just the second part of my question about. Uh, representing Canada at the Olympics. After those games in 2018, in April of that year, you announced your retirement from the sport. What kind of feelings and emotions were going through your uh, head uh, or your mind, sorry, from the time that you started the Olympics in Pyeongchang uh, to like winning that gold, but then also just kind of when you're staying on that podium, realizing that this is the last time that this is going to happen? Um, yeah, so 2018 was really interesting leading up to February of 2018. Um, I would say that December or like September, October of 2017. So leading up to the winter, um, I was I was checked out. Uh, not a lot of people know, except uh, the official, the Skate Canada officials. But um, you know, I was I was on the phone with with the high performance director, the CEO, the president of Skate Canada. Um, several times because I was, I, I, I just hit a wall. I was just so burnt out. And I don't know if it was going back to the coaching and going back to my environment. I was training in the States. I was feeling very, I was very homesick and, and just home, home meaning Canada. And I just hit, hit this wall where I was just like, I can't, I don't want to go to the rink anymore. I've done it for, for 15 years. And I'm, I'm kind of tired of this, day in and day out. It started feeling like a job as opposed to like a passion and a love for it. Um, and luckily I had the right people. I had Liz and I had Skate Canada behind me and even my teammates. Uh, you know, I got calls from Scott and Eric and just checking in and um, Skate Canada put me, um, gave me all the resources I needed uh, to get back into shape and, and get my mind in, in the right place. And yeah, went to the Olympics, and once I stood on that podium, I, I, that, that, it wasn't hard for me to think about the future because I was already kind of thinking about it even going into the Olympics. But kind of the, the funny part, the irony is that I, I uh, kind of got emotional. I get emotional now, <laughs> two years later, watching old videos of skating and my performances, and because um, I, I really now, as I'm, because I'm so disconnected from it. I feel so much more appreciative of, of what I accomplished, which is amazing because I've never done, done that ever. I've always looked at my own skating with a critical eye. And now I get to actually absorb it and enjoy it and, and learn actually from the good things I did and how I can translate it to my coaching and how I can maybe use some of those pointers for other skaters in the next generation. So um, it's... Um, it's emotional. It's it's an emotion, and and everyone has their own way of of digesting it and processing it. Now talking about emotions, because yeah, they they definitely get to you. 
Um, I mean, again, just referencing like being an athlete myself, um, when I, I won my first national championship in 2018, I, I was felt those emotions. I'm like, wow, we did this. Like it's huge. Um, and like, I'm still competing to the today, um, which I'm fortunate about, but I, I get that. Uh, it's, it's always, you never know what's ahead of you and you never know what, what tomorrow is going to bring. So you always mm -hmm. have to kind of be thankful for what you have, what you've been given and then, um, kind of run with that. And if, if that gives you an opportunity to, to succeed and get to the next level, great. If it doesn't, then at least you're able to kind of motivate that next generation, which we're going yeah. to, uh, we're going to get to in a, in a little bit, but, um, talking about those emotions and some positive emotions in May of last year, the two of you, I have to ask this question because both of you were on the show. Uh, the two of you started dating. Did How did you guys find each other? Uh, like, was it on the ice? Was it a connection between friends? Uh, how did you guys kind of meet and, and uh, how did things roll? Yeah, a bit of everything you mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> Liz and I actually knew each other um, when I was like 10 or 11 years old. We skated at the same rink and we probably walked by each other several times. We usually learned to at the very same rank as well like as babies babies but not at the same time not at the same time but, but. yeah we all, our origins of skating came from toronto east, east york or is it east what is it called the rink i don't know is it east i think east <laughs> dylan would know but anyways we learned skating at the same rink we separated and then like crossed paths again and then like just constant our whole the last yeah, i think we spent one year on the national team together yeah 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 it was like the end of my career and the beginning of his. We kind of crossed, we kept kind of passing each other <laughs> through life, but um, never really kind of being in the same place at the same time for too long. Liz was part of the cool group. I was not. <laughs> you were just a kid. I was just a kid, yeah. So uh, we, uh, skating, the skating world is very small and um, it's like two degrees of separation between everyone. So we uh yeah we reconnected in patrick came to town for stars on ice yep um in may of 2017 yep. and um I, we just happened to all uh go for dinner with eric had um eric radford had uh made some dinner plans and invited me and patrick was there and so we kind of reconnected and um that was probably the first time that we'd really spent time together as adults adults <laughs> and uh yeah we stayed in touch and uh we kept in touch and then we visited with each other at the end of that summer and then yeah. and the rest is history that was it <laughs> what, what i'm hearing yeah. is you have to thank eric for setting up that dinner yeah, yeah. for sure for sure we owe him everything <laughs> yeah, I just say that because uh, when I worked in retail, uh, kind of similar situation. We set up, we had two guys, two like a, a friend of ours. Uh, both of them worked at the same store, but they didn't really talk much. So we we all went out for dinner. They started connecting, and now they're married. So oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's Thanks always, always cool time. Thanks to you. No, no, no. That wasn't me. That was my other friend oh. that set up the oh, yeah. not me. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's always cool to hear the different stories, especially in the sports world, how people meet and things like that. So thank you for yeah. sharing that. Now, as I mentioned before, we met each other uh, a couple of years ago at the Special Olympics Canada Gala, which was is always a fun and exciting event. Um, how important is it to you, both of you, to be able to give back to the community 
um, and support fellow athletes, um, whether it's Special Olympics in Skate Canada or other mm -hmm. sports? Oh, it's, it's huge. It's, I think, um, uh, that was a, that was an amazing gala. That was so much fun, um, that night. And, um, and uh, it was emotional for me. It was my first, um, it was my first gala. I came as a guest of Patrick's, um, and I found it really moving and inspiring and emotional. I'm a crier. So there was a lot of tears. Um, just happy tears and, and, uh, proud and pr really like proud moments. Um, and I just, energy in the room was just like incredible. Um, so much, um, courage, so much bravery, um, and just hearing people's stories and, um, just having everyone together in that one space, just to share the love of sport, regardless of where you come from or what sport you do or what your background is. Um, it was a really sort of special, um, evening for, for us. And I think, um, those types of gatherings and those types of events are a great, um, just a great reminder of, um, you know, giving you a sense of community and giving you a sense of like, you know, getting together with uh, people that share the same passions that you do, um, which is passion for sport. And um, yeah, I think, um, you know, unfortunately this year with uh, the pandemic and whatnot, it's definitely thrown uh, <laughs> some curveballs. Um, into our some of our plans and whatnot and um because normally we would have done some seminars yeah. and um it's always um really refreshing to work with kids and um kind of give back that way um of you know passing on that uh, yeah. love of skating and pass passing on our passions um is uh is one way that uh we we like to sort of stay involved but and it's great to be able to share life skills and i think we feel like we're we're making a, a small difference in the world by um, guiding some of these young skaters. And um, I, I grew up; my parents were immigrants from Hong Kong, and I I'm a first generation Canadian. And you know, I I was given the opportunity to represent this beautiful country. And I think every child and every young athlete should have the chance to at least. Um, make the effort to, to try and make that team and, and represent their country. And um, I, I just think our job now as, as adults and as retired athletes is to pass on our knowledge and our experiences and uh, make it the most enjoyable and joyous experience for those athletes. Um, Cause we went through tough times and they don't necessarily have to. Um, so to give them the best path to success is kind of our dream. Now, talking about that work with uh, with kids and, and the next generation of athletes in sport, what kind of advice would each of you want to give to those wanting to get either into skating or ultimately reach the next level or even just kind of start off in, in a sport on ice? Elbow pads? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I think involving involving kids in sports, regardless of whether it's on the ice or not, um, is is so so important um just a lot of the uh life life lessons that you learn um being involved in a sport um are are really priceless and you know whether you go on go on to be like an elite level athlete or not i think just for like general health and and you know um staying fit staying active 
Um, and like I said, learning how to, um, you know, set goals and um, work ethic and accountability and, you know, like being more organizing your time. And I think there's just, um, there's so much value in being involved in a sport and some kids, you know, they do it for even like the social aspect or it's not, it's not to go out and win what win medals or go represent your country at the Olympics. You know, that's a, that's a wonderful goal, but I don't think that, um, that that needs to be the intention. Um, Cause you know, we also uh, can sometimes set, you know, set goals and then um, become so sort of like zeroed in on that and um, sort of lose sight of, of why, you know, why you're doing it at all. And mm -hmm. um, so I think it's just for kids to be involved in a sport is, um, is so, so important. And um, if it does happen to be on the ice, then um, of course, starting, starting young is usually like, a, a, you know, it's it kind of an important, uh, with skating, it's kind of an important factor that like you sort of like, four or five years old is, is um, a great time to start learning um, the, the fundamentals and to get on the ice and it's a great age because you're kind of fearless usually. Um, so it's a good time to start learning um, some of those skills. Definitely. Yeah, um, I would say for aspiring figure skaters, I would definitely say to take your time, <laughs> be patient. Um, it's a slippery sport, so <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be falling a lot. But, um, you know, there's no better feeling than, um, you know, the beauty of skating is, is the combination of uh, performance and creativity with athleticism and having that connection when you can work athleticism and the creativity and they are they work in sync um i feel like it's the most cerebral experience you'll ever have and um be be patient with yourself it's i think every day is is a, an opportunity to improve uh, whether it's you know, improve three steps or four steps or one step, as long as you're moving forward, I think that's all that that's important. And um, the past is the past. Think about what's ahead and what you need to do right now um, to achieve your goals. Great words of some great skaters. Thank you so much, Patrick <laughs> and Liz, for taking the time to be on the show and sharing your experiences, your wisdom, and everything in between. Uh, I really appreciate uh, you guys taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much, yeah. Ryan. We really appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. We will look forward to hopefully seeing you guys sooner than later. Um, yeah. Maybe at another gallo in the future. I hope so. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, everyone. That was Patrick Chan and Liz Putnam on, from Skate Canada and the Olympics. Thank you to both of them for taking time uh, to be on the show and talk with us about their skating uh, experiences, their careers, their words of wisdom, and so much more. Uh, until next time, guys, thank you again for tuning in to another episode of From the Stands to the Cool Pick Show.